When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. creating a great experience for kids and, and making football the best part of our day and creating healthy and happy athletes and, and ones that can perform at a high level and ultimately go out and, and win a lot of football games that too on top of it. This is our first of many episodes this year in our champion series where we talk to state champions around the country and learn what they do to get their programs to the top. Imagine having a season where you could play 14 games go through the entire season, have all your players available every single week, have all players available in that Week 14 state championship, everybody healthy and performing at their best and winning that state championship. I think that's something we would all wish for ourselves, and it's something we rarely see, though. We lose those players over the course of the season for multiple reasons, but Stewartville High School was able to do that. They went through the season, 14 weeks, state champions, had everybody available in week 14, and it all started with a philosophy which they adopted called sprint-based football. And it's something that, as we go through this episode with Coach Garrett Mueller, the head coach of Stewartville High School, he's going to talk about how this philosophy really takes them from the beginning of the year all the way through the season. It even builds into the in-season way that they do things, how they set up their practices, and even as he's going to talk about in a clinic coming up, how it builds their offense. So I think this is a very interesting episode of what Coach is going to present. It's a different way of doing things. They bought into it. It worked for them. I think they have some proof in concept there. So worth listening to and learning from here. So enjoy. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 
to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. We begin our champion series with a state champion from Minnesota who won the Class 3A title. The Stewartville Tigers completed a perfect season in their 14th victory. This was also their third undefeated regular season in a row. A big part of what's brought them to this point was a change they made in their program in moving their development to a sprint-based football program, something we talked with Tony Holler, the creator of Feed the Cats and Sprint-Based Football, earlier this week. We're definitely excited to be talking to the head coach of the Stewartville Tigers, Garrett Mueller. Coach, thank you for taking the time. Uh, thank you so much, Keith, for, for having me. It's an uh, honor to be on here. Truly, a, you know, I've listened to the podcast over the years and uh, you know, had some amazing guests, learned a ton from, from everything you know, that I've listened to. And so it's just uh, really, very humbling to, to be on here with you and excited for the conversation today. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. And I want to get right into this for our listeners and talk about sprint-based football, which is a big component of what you attribute your success to. And so talk with us about that transition into sprint-based football how you learned about it and began to implement it. And I know you mentioned to me that before we got going, there was some sort of a reset for you with that COVID year. So tell us about the beginning of this in your program. Yeah, so we, you know, we were fortunate enough to have a lot of success these last three seasons, three years in a row, undefeated regular seasons, um, conference championships, and kind of been building the last three years to the point where, you know, we had the opportunity to play in a state championship game and, and, and took home the the trophy this year, which is just an amazing feeling to, you know, for not only myself, but, you know, our program and, and our community, but the work started a long time ago. And truly, even going back to like pre-COVID, the 2019 season was kind of our first introduction to sprint-based football. We were coming off of our, I guess, my first season as the head coach in 2018 at Stuartville High School and struggled that year to like a five and four record had a lot of players that were injured and missing time, didn't feel like guys were really loving or, or enjoying the experience. And, so, you know, stuff was just missing. We, we, we weren't winning enough football games. So trying to find a spark in something new, something different in that off season between 2018 and 2019. And I stumbled upon some different articles by Tony Holler, who's been a guest multiple times on your show, and also Brad Dixon, who... I kind of refer to him as the as the OG of, of sprint based football and, and have become close friends with him. But just some articles and, and clinic pre- presentations by those two guys and, and talking about a different way to do it and um, how do we go about, you know, creating a great experience for kids and, and making football the best part of our day and 
creating healthy and happy athletes and, and ones that can perform at a high level and ultimately go out and, and win a lot of football games that too on top of it. So um, it was very intriguing. And, you know, we took the, took that off season uh, myself and, and a couple of my, my close assistants. And, you know, we essentially did a, a deep dive into it and uh, came out ready to go uh, for the 2019 season. And we were like, you know, full two feet in going with Western face football. And it was an amazing uh, turnaround for us. We uh, had a, I wouldn't say a overly talented senior group of players, but ones that were very committed to kind of the process that we laid out for them. So I'm, I'm forever grateful kind of that first group of being willing to try something new and something different. And then obviously the results that we had that year was pretty awesome. We had an undefeated uh, regular season district champions, made it to the third round of the playoffs, lost to a really, really talented team that year. But we just felt like we, we were onto something and something that was meaningful for our players and for our program and something that we wanted to continue to build. And then you kind of mentioned the COVID year, you know, blew a lot of stuff up for us, which made it difficult because we felt like we had a ton of momentum rolling out of that 2019 season. So, so as, as was with everybody, we played a short and I think played five regular season games and one, two or three, but um, it was just, just tough because we weren't able to get together for things and, and do you know, kind of our regular regular routine that, that we were used to. So coming into the 2021 year, we had to do a little bit of a reset and, and just kind of get things back on track from, you know, what we had learned from the 2019 season and how we wanted to continue to develop our process and kind of the, the rest is history now these last three years. have not lost a regular season game, you know, since that COVID year, three-time district champs undefeated. And, and then kind of in the playoffs, we we got upset in 2021, and that was a, a tough one to swallow because we felt like we had a really good team that year and done a lot of good things and had an early exit from the playoffs. And then uh, in 2022, we were able to kind of take the next step in the postseason, made it to the state quarterfinals, and then this last year being able to earn a state championship. So it's just been a been a slow build. It's been a process, but just so many people to thank um, over, the, over the course of that time uh, to get us to where we're at right now. Tony talks about the disciplined pursuit of less, and that's not an easy thing for us as football coaches. We have had or still do have that grind mentality, and getting everyone on the same page with a new philosophy can be a challenge. So what was that transition like for you and your staff? Yeah, and I think that's probably the toughest one, right? Because as coaches, you know, we're all cut from a similar cloth. Most of us, and, and Tony's talked about this a ton, just like, you know, we were all cut from the cloth of being the hardest workers in the room, right? And grinding and attributing our success to our being being the hardest workers. And maybe we weren't all necessarily the most talented or things like that, but we found success because of the effort that we put in. And not to, I think the big thing is we don't want to diminish hard work and effort. Like those things are very important, but it's, you know, what, what you had mentioned, the disciplined pursuit of less or, you know, taking an essentialist view and identifying what are the most important things to our program and our players' success and cutting out all the extra BS and focusing on our time and our effort and our energy and working hard at those few things that are going to make the biggest difference, you know, in our, in our players' success and, and winning and losing football games. And so, you know, I, I was lucky to have a staff, uh, a pretty young staff with a, with a growth mindset. And, you know, when I, when we brought this to them, they were hundred percent on board. I really didn't have someone who was resistant or 
kind of stuck in whatever their traditional ways and, and not wanting to try something new. So I always tell people I had probably a little bit easier transition to this than maybe what most do. You know, I, I typically get coaches reaching out from across the country here in the off season who ask for, they, they aren't necessarily head coaches, but they're maybe an assistant coach who is really intrigued by the place football philosophies and how we implement them. And they're trying to learn as much as they can so they can bring it to their head coach and, and, and see if they'd be willing to, you know, try something new. And so I think that's, that's probably, that probably truly is one of the toughest parts is getting everyone on board and, and trying to change your mindset about what it actually takes uh, to be successful and win. Cause a lot of times I think we, we think more work is better and uh, you know, ultimately more, you know, more work is just more work and it isn't necessarily attributing to our success. You know, you might be successful despite the fact that you're doing that extra stuff. And, and could you find the same level of success by cutting some of those things out, just focusing on the things that make the biggest difference? So, like I said, I was uh, I, I had a e- little bit easier transition than most, but I think when you really sit down and and you know lay lay the the principles of, of kind of our feed the cats philosophy and, and sprint based football philosophy out. It, it makes sense, you know, when, when you talk about um, some of those things and, and how you apply it to football and, and high school athletes, really athletes of any age um, can, can be applied to across the board. But I think it, I think it makes sense, you know, when, when you really think about it and, and you, you move away from, oh, we've always done it this way to what do we need to do to win? These are the things that are going to help us get there. Yeah. I think getting everyone on the same page is something you need to be sure to do up front in order to make any philosophy or way of doing things work for you. And that's offense, defense, special teams, certainly your off season. I thought what Tony said about this is really important too. He said, he doesn't give you a recipe. He just teaches you a way to cook. And if you look at how anything is implemented, maybe it's more by trying to follow a standard set of rules, but everyone needs to understand their situation their athletes' needs, and a number of things, even like the space or equipment you have to work with. But if philosophies are truly understood and applied, then you can get the results that you're seeking. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's a great point. You know, it's not a cookie-cutter recipe. You can't take what we do at Stuartville and plug and play, you know, at at a school in Ohio and expect to get the same results because your staff's different, your, your players are different, you know, your situation's different with maybe offense, defense, philosophies, and what you're doing, things like that. So you got to find a way to build a recipe that works for you. And, and ultimately, you know, too, on top of it, like a lot of these philosophies aren't going to necessarily replace the things that attribute, you know, to wins and wins and losses in football games, like execution, you know, uh, having, you know, sound uh, coaching and, and fundamentals, sound schemes, you know, uh, turnovers, penalties, like blocking and tackling, like, all that kind of stuff ultimately is what is going to have a have a huge difference on winning and losing football games. I think the feed the great what the the best thing about our, our feed the cats or sprint based football philosophy is is going to enhance your ability to do those things well. And that's the big point that I think we those of us who have been doing this you know uh, sprint based football approach for a while try to impart upon uh, upon coaches who are just starting out, like you aren't going to implement this and go from a, uh, you know, necessarily a one or two win team to a state championship team, but you might take a one or two win team to a winning record, or you might take a winning record to a conference champion or a conference champion to a state champion. So it's going to enhance your ability to do the things you do 
uh, better, but it's not going to replace, you know, the the X's and O's and the, the Jimmy's and the Joe's of, of what it takes to win football games. So coach, what's that recipe for you at Stewartville? For us at Stewartville, you know, our recipe, I think three different areas that when I talk to coaches about what that looks like for us, and then we try to build out from those three areas. Number one is in our preparation and, you know, we're going to you know, be coming up on our, on our off season preparation here now starting in a couple of weeks. But for us, from a preparation standpoint, we are focusing on building fast, explosive athletes. Uh, we call them apex predators, guys who can go out and have uh, those underlying qualities um, to be an explosive athlete. And, you know, we can talk about, uh, you know, what we do from a, a weight range standpoint and a sprint base or a sprint standpoint and things like that through the off season. But from a preparation standpoint, kind of that's our focus. Because we we feel like then once it comes time for football season, we're able to coach up the specific you know techniques that our guys need to go out and execute on a Friday night. And if we're able to build those underlying qualities, that's going to help them do those or execute those skills at a high level. You know we're gonna we're gonna go do those things go do those things first. The second thing is we try to make a priority to connect with our players. And, and two different ways we do that is number one we focus on de- developing leadership and building a culture uh, within our program. We believe uh, that ultimately that's going to help set the foundation for our success. So how do we go about connecting, you know, players with their teammates, coaches with the players, and, and building that trust and, and building that foundation of, of our Stewartville football culture that ultimately is going to lead to lead to our success. And then the other thing kind of that goes with that connection piece, I think, is just creating a, a great experience for our players. We want football to be the best part of a kid's day. And and truly, I think the not just the best part of a kid's day, but for me, the best part of a kid's high school experience. Like when they look back after graduation and they think about their favorite parts of their high school experience, I want them to say, you know, being a part of Stewartville football was, was the best thing I did. And I think we've done a great job of building that experience for our athletes that they, they do love being with us every single day. And that's not just like Friday nights, because those are the easy days, right? When you get to go out and compete under the lights and win football games, you know, obviously that's, that's the easy part. It's, you know, what are you doing to create a great experience on a Tuesday in week five of the regular season? And, and I think that, uh, you know, we do a great job uh, of that. Ultimately, players are going to remember most how we as coaches made them feel more than what we said or what we did in terms of uh, coaching the X's and O's and execution. So we want to make sure we're delivering a great experience and, and making them feel great and enjoying their time with us every single day. And then the last piece is performance. And that's, you know, now once you get in season is how do you go out and perform? And what do we do, you know, from a weekly and a daily plan to prepare us to perform on a Friday night. And again, that our you know kind of that sprint-based football philosophy allows us to perform at a high level on a Friday night when it matters and when it counts. You know, I think a lot of you know a lot of traditional football programs they focus on the grind during the week, and you know they want they want game days to be the easiest part of the week, and so they you know they beat their kids up thinking that their bodies are going to adapt to that, and then game days are going to be easy. Uh, when in reality, and, and I think that's you know that mindset is like it makes sense i guess and and that's what we a lot of us grew up you know in and and thinking and believing but i think in reality when you you know when you beat your kids up monday through thursday in hopes that they are ready for friday 
you've just ground them down to being tired, exhausted, and sore. And so they go into a Friday game at, I don't know, maybe 60, 70%, whatever. I mean, it's an arbitrary number, but, you know, of whatever 100% would look like for them. So, yes, we're trying to prepare them for Friday, but in reality, we've beat them up to the point where they're not even close to 100% going into the game. And then their, you know, their bodies are going to deteriorate as the, as the game goes on. Whereas kind of the, you know, sprint-based football mindset is we're going to make, from a, from a physical, physical standpoint at least, Friday nights are going to be the hardest thing that our players have to do during the week. And so we're going to prioritize rest and recovery. I think that I, I lose a lot of coaches right away when I talk about like our 10 pillars of sprint-based football. Um, number one is happy and healthy athletes. And to do that, we have to prioritize rest and recovery. Rest and recovery has to be more important than practice never let today ruin tomorrow. Tony's probably said that a, a couple hundred times on your podcast, maybe, but that we truly, you know, we truly live by that. You know, we don't want what we do on a Tuesday to kill a kid for Wednesday's practice and so on through the week building up to Friday. So we feel like our guys are a hundred percent healthy going into game day. And if they're lining up across from a kid who's only, you know, 60, 70% at kickoff, we're going to win the first half and be so far ahead that that second half that football of the game then isn't even going to matter both guys are going to you know fatigue and get tired throughout the game but we're going to be so much faster and healthier to start that game that that the team we line up across from really doesn't have a chance so um, I think that's maybe one of the biggest philosophical switches that you have to flip in a sprint-based football program is kind of how you lay out the week to be able to perform at a high level on a Friday night. So yeah, I guess for us, those are kind of our three areas, how we prepare, how we connect and how we perform. And we feel like we've, we got a pretty good recipe, you know, obviously at this point to be able to do all three things really well. You guys just came off a state championship, but it's December. So I'm sure you're about to get going in the off season soon. What do your off season workouts look like? What do the weeks look like? Yeah. So I think big thing, number one, that we promote, and, and we're a small school, you know, we got six, anywhere from 625, 650 kids in our high school. So uh, for most coaches listening, that's probably pretty small comparatively. We're right in the middle of uh, maybe the size schools in the state of Minnesota. And so for us, we highly promote multi-sport athletes. And so like when we talk about off season now, moving forward here as we come in, coming up on, on winter, I am hoping that a majority of my football players are involved in a winter sport. So for us, their off-season preparation is playing basketball or wrestling. Um, in the spring, it's, you know, going out for track or baseball. Uh, we actually got a couple of really good golfers, uh, really good golf program in our school. So we got, we got uh, some guys that do that. And so for me, building that competitive excellence that they can playing multiple sports is something that I can't provide in an off-season program necessarily if we're just like, sprinting and lifting now the way we have some stuff set up i think we do do a good job of creating that competition within those those off-season workouts if guys are doing that but we do truly promote multi-sport athletes now that's hard you know to get like there there's you know it's a fraction of what it used to be like three sport athletes and stuff like that but we do have i think every kid on our roster this past season was a at least a two-sport athlete so football and then something else, either a winter or a spring sport. Um, so we highly encourage that for our guys in, in the off season. If they're not involved in a, in an off season sport, so coming up, say in the winter here, 
we have a, a our off-season workout program for them that we have you know we have great attendance at and and that's a big part is that we try to impress upon guys is working out together because ultimately they're teammates in football but then they're teammates in all their other sports too you know a bunch of our guys if they're not playing a winter sport they're getting ready for like baseball season so they should be you know working out together in the winter to get prepared for baseball season and so we've done a good job of i think promoting that and, and guys really buying into that and committing to that so our off-season program we we meet three days a week for us it's monday tuesday and thursday and every again every situation is going to be different that's just when it works you know to get the space in the weight room and uh you know we're in minnesota so we got we got a little bit of snow on the ground right now but it's there's there's more that that's coming here so we don't get to go outside now for like the next six months so so we're stuck in the hallways of our high school and we got rubber mats that we roll out to do all of our sprint stuff so we meet three days a week two of those days we will do like a 45 minute sprint workout or, or speed development workout and those are you know minimum effective dose you know it's it's eight to ten speed drills kind of whatever our focus is at that point of the year and then we're going to time two to three sprints one day will be an acceleration day focusing on those qualities typically on those days we're doing like a shorter time sprint either like a five into a 10 yard fly or or a 10 into a 10 as we kind of progress and then we'll do like some like a full 40 yard dash so we kind of get that full sprint profile and then the other day we'll the focus will be like max velocity so um, some drill work that reinforces those qualities and those techniques and then we're doing like our full build up to a to a fly 10 trying to hit max velocity in that 10 yards um, with uh, with an unlimited run in um, and then the third day would be kind of like a change of direction agility day and so for that we um, use a lot of Tony Villani. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but his game speed curriculum, talking about uh, just really the, the best resource that we've found that really breaks down from a field sport athlete, putting your bodies in the right position to be able to change direction, accelerate, and, and do all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of our three days outside of the weight room, and then we'll stack the weight room after that. So we have a 45-minute speed or agility and then we'll go to the weight room for about another 45 minutes, finish up those workouts. And, you know, each of those three days, we kind of have a, we try to balance all our focus there. We'll have kind of one day where it's more of a lower focus uh, from in a, you know, a building strength and, and explosiveness standpoint. We use uh, triphasic training um, by Cal And so kind of our off-season mirrors working through kind of an eccentric, an isometric, and a concentric phase, building up into like a peaking phase for those athletes that are then going into uh, spring sport come, you know, come mid-March. So we'll do like a kind of a lower and, and maybe more of an upper day and then kind of a mix um, of the two on the third day. Um, so ultimately they're kind of hitting hitting each area twice. But the big thing with our with our weight room it, then is we want to make sure we're not taken away from our speed development. And I think that's, you know, the biggest, again, maybe change or um, deviation from the norm is that it is not a strength is number one priority. Uh, we want to maintain our speed and explosiveness because for us, from a transfer standpoint, going and just moving as much weight as possible very slowly in the weight room does not necessarily transfer to being successful in your sport. And so that doesn't mean we don't, that doesn't mean we neglect getting stronger. I think that's a great part about the way we train is we still get stronger in the process because our bodies have to learn to 
put more force into the ground or into the bar or, or whatever it may be to move it faster. And so from our standpoint, we are still getting stronger while maintaining or improving our explosiveness and, and our speed. And so uh, I think we do a great job marrying those two worlds together. And obviously our, you know, I think our on-field success, you know, kind of speaks, kind of speaks to that. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective. So I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coaching Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. I know in the way you look at the KPIs or the metrics behind this, you have developed what you call the truck stick taken from the Madden game, which I believe is a great motivator for your big athletes who don't necessarily need to be the fastest on the team. But your truck stick number does a great job in getting those guys and really all your guys motivated and excited about getting faster and more explosive. So explain truck stick to our listeners. So obviously with the speed stuff, you know, we're, we're still looking at max velocity. We're looking at 40 times. We're looking at acceleration times. We have a just jump, or not just jump mat, we have a, a sky hook now. We used to have a just jump, but we got a sky hook mat now, which is a great uh, resource or a tool for us. It's a, it's a jump mat essentially, but one that just connects digitally to an iPad. And so we're tracking vertical jump on that regularly in the weight room as part of our workouts. So a lot of those explosive movements. And then in the weight room from a workout standpoint, we use um, velocity-based training. And so we have e-node sensors that are on our bars. And so that auto-regulates kind of weight based on the different phase that we're in in the weight room. And so it's essentially um, helping athletes, almost like a coach at the, at the rack, helping athletes put the proper weight on the bar that's going to place them, you know, in a velocity range that we want them to be in based on our training goals for that time of the year. So whether it's, you know, 0.3 to 0.4 meters per second when we're in a, you know, an eccentric or isometric phase where we're still kind of the focus is to continue to get, get stronger through the process or, you know, moving in a lot faster, you know, 0.7, 0.8 meters per second as we get into a, a power peaking phase at the, you know, at the end of stuff. So that's, that's been a huge tool too for our guys and, and something that they have very much bought into because they see the benefits from it you know, that they are continuing to get stronger, but the intent is so much better in our weight room when they are tracking how fast they're moving that bar. It's the same thing, you know, when you go and time a sprint versus, you know, not timing or when you race somebody versus just sprinting on your own. The intent is so much better when something is being measured. And so that's been the great part with our velocity-based training in the weight room. I think our guys have gotten so much more out of the workouts because their intent has been higher because, that bar is being measured every time they move it. 
So that's kind of been the maybe the the unintentional benefits from doing it this way this way as well. And then so I mentioned the truck stick is kind of the marriage of those two worlds. And so when we talk about you know we talk about size and strength being obviously uh, a component that that is important, and then the speed as well for football. You know as a contact sport, it, we're not just track athletes that are fast out in the field. Then that can't go be physical. There's a, a strength and a size component to football as well that, that's going to help a guy be successful. So our truck stick measurement is kind of the, like I said, the marriage of those two things. So essentially it's measuring a, a player's momentum and how much momentum can they generate based on their body mass, how big they are, and how fast they can move. And so um, we, you know, we'll, we use a player's body weight, so we track that as, as a guy grows and, you know, gains mass and, and gains strength and things like that. You know, are they continuing to get faster then as well? And, and so we can calculate a, an athlete's momentum based on, on those two qualities. And we have felt now that measurement, that momentum measurement, um, we, uh, like I said, we uh, refer to it as our, our truck stick. So it's the old Madden, right? Like truck stick, like going and, and, and knocking a guy out. But with that truck stick measurement has been the, the most significant KPI in terms of performance on the field for us regardless of position group and and we've been able to now that we've done it long enough we're able to look at athletes and and what their truck stick you know number was based on their position group and have been able to develop some thresholds for performance so you know what does a wide receiver db kind of need to be at to give them the greatest chance to be successful on the field versus you know what does that number need to be for an offense and defensive lineman and obviously the higher the better and and it you know, there's no way a guarantee of your success on the field, but we have seen some some pretty positive correlations between, um, you know, those those thresholds or those numbers based on your position group and then success on the field, whether you're, a, you know, a starter, an all-conference player, all-state type, you know, caliber player. Um, so that's something that we talk about with, with players as we enter into the offseason, you know, kind of where is your truck stick at right now? on where, where do we want to try to get that to for next year um, to help put you in a position to be more successful on the field. So looking ahead to the season, how does taking a sprint-based football approach translate to that in-season schedule? Once we get into the, the football season starts, so we maintain kind of that three days a week off-season through, you know, we'll have a winter sport off-season athletes, and then we'll transition to a new set of athletes that are maybe out of season in the spring. And then once we're summer and we're kind of all together, you know, we, we still keep uh, that three-day-a-week, you know, even in, in June and July. And as we get into August then and, and the season kicks off, um, and now we're meeting, you know, consistently every, every day of the week to prepare, for the, to prepare for the regular season, we really start looking at kind of that wave theory approach uh, to, to our weekly practices. So having a, a high CNS day, versus then following it up with a low CNS day to kind of recover before the next, you know, bout of high CNS performance uh, outcomes or needs that we, that we have. Um, so if you look, kind of lay it out um, into a five-day week, you know, we're playing on a Friday, say at the end of the week, that obviously we want that to be the highest day of the week, right, um, from a performance standpoint. And so if we work backward from that, from that spot, um, we don't necessarily want to have two um, high performance or high CNS days in a row because we feel like um, brains and bodies um, aren't able to recover well enough to be at high performance when you need them to be. Obviously, Friday night's the most important there. So we kind of we essentially have three high 
high performance or high CNS days during the week and two low days. So that's why I say kind of that wave theory approach, high, low, high, low, high. Mondays to kick off the week, really the only reason we call Monday a, a high CNS day is because we're sprinting that day. And we would have played Friday night. We give guys the weekend completely off Saturday and Sunday to rest and recover. Um, we don't bring them in for anything. We feel the best, again, rest and recovery is them just sleeping in as late as they can and you know, laying on the couch watching college football, watching NFL football on a Sunday, getting maybe some, some of our film in to, to prep for the next opponent. But So we allow them to, to fully recover as they go come out of the weekend. Um, Monday is the first thing we do um, after school is we get together and we sprint. And so that's how we start off a week. You know, And I think that's a great way you know, for a sprint-based football team to start off your week is to go sprint together. And what we found by doing that was when we go into our game plan meetings afterward, it completely enhanced kind of those meetings and the information that those guys were taking in, they were retaining it better um, and they were able to execute better at the end of the week. Um, and I think that's because, you know, guys have been sitting in the classroom, you know, maybe all day long. The last thing they want to do is go sit in a classroom again for an hour and a half after school and you know, go through a go through a game plan. So we get them up and and outside um, as much as we can with the weather, and we're sprinting first thing on a, on a Monday. And it's short, you know, uh, especially in season, we, we we shorten things up even a little bit more from what we're doing in the off season. So it's like a 30 minute total. You know, we'll do eight to 10 speed drills, and then we'll time two sprints. Typically, a Monday was our acceleration day. Again, so it's a little bit shorter sprint that we're focusing on. And then um, you know, the great part about that, and after they've gone and done that sprint, you know, um, maybe some guys just hit a PR, so they're feeling great about that. You know, there's a ton of energy because they're out moving together as teammates. And then their CNS, you know, everything is just turned on and firing because they had to go perform. And so when we go sit down in a meeting for a game plan, then, you know, we got smiles on our guys' faces and, and our coaches are, you know, feeling good then too. And so it's just a great atmosphere to, to kick off our kick off our our work week, and so after that, you know, after our sprint, then you know, then we'll um, we'll we'll do some review of Friday's game, make any kind of corrections. We'll have like a small playlist, you know, of going through some some offense, defense, special teams clips. We do a lot with positive uh, kind of rewards for guys from from the game day, you know. So so we're talking different KPIs that we have for our offense, defense, and special teams, big plays that guys made. We have uh, like our offense, defense, especially in players of the week. So we kind of name those things. We have a, we talk a lot about block destruction in our programs. We have the block destruct of the week. We have the hit of the week, which might be a big block or a tackle. We, you know, just do a ton of that kind of stuff. So again, um, just finding ways to create a great experience for guys and make it the best part of their day. And then we'll finish up with just the game plan for next week's opponent. And then we go home. So we don't do any on the field work on a Monday. Tuesday then technically is a is a low CNS day for us, so we don't do any sprint work. Um, we do our lifting on our low CNS day uh, during the week, so that would, Tuesday would be the first kind of weight room day for us. And again, those are those are pretty short; those only take 20-25 minutes. And again, we start with that first right after school. Again, we we utilize uh, Cal Dietz and mentioned triphasic training, but um, his kind of performance pattern cycling. People who are listening can look that up, but um, it's, uh, you know, I think, a great way to maintain, um, again, performance patterns, let's call that, um, in season while while we're training. And so we get through that uh, pretty quickly. 
and then we are out on the field for kind of our first regular practice day. But for us, that's just helmets then on a Tuesday. So no uppers, no shoulder pads, no lowers or anything. We try not, we try to keep the volume pretty low in practice that day from like a uh, individual standpoint, you know, our, our receivers aren't running deep routes or anything like that. You know, our, we try to give um, enough rest and uh, limit reps for guys during indie group and team time. Um, we do some some lighter group work that day. We we uh, offensively we do a lot of stuff with screens uh, in our offense, and so we run like a screen drill where we're going through um, kind of the screens that we like during that week versus versus kind of the scout work that we're going to see, and then we wrap up with some team time. Uh, but then that's just kind of light on uh, during that team time. It's not full contact necessarily anything like that. We're not taking anybody to the ground. And then Wednesday is our next high CNS day, so. Um, we start out that Wednesday with a sprint. And so that, that day out at practice is probably like, if you came to watch us, would look the most similar to probably a traditional high school football practice. We do start with a sprint though. So we go to our track, we do max velocity that day. So unlimited run in fly 10, um, about the same amount of time, 30, 45 minutes total, just depends on the group size. You know, we, we sprint everyone in our program nine through 12, because that's, um, kind of the for us again uh, in our scenario how we have to kind of set out our, our practice week so we sprint first and then we're right out to the field and we we just go shells on wednesday so we're never full pads really during the season at all but like i said then that looks a little bit closer to a, to a regular football practice so we'll do indie time we do some one-on-ones that day so the volume uh, is a little bit higher for like our, our skill guys wide receiver dbs we'll do skelly inside run for our for our big guys up front and then get into get into the team time and then and then we still don't ever take you know guys to the ground we focus more on uh positioning angles and stuff like that defensively that's a lot of tag off out in space we do uh we do a really good job with um some circuit work in our uh, program i think i mentioned block destruction but tackling as well you know so we get our live tackling in a controlled setting you know versus bags or landing on mats and stuff like that again to maintain the the health of our players so that's a wednesday and then Thursday back to a low CNS day, and that's our lightest day of the week. Really, we we start with our lift first right after school, and then we have our we have like a script practice that we go through. So we have kind of scripted out our special teams, kind of mixed in with our our team plays, different scenarios. You know, we'll go middle of the field, um, third downs, red zone, two point plays. Um, you know, the whole the whole kind of gamut of what we might see on a Friday night, and that's maybe an hour you know, to hour and 15 minutes that practice that day. And we're just helmets again and, and contacts very light. And so then, you know, kind of that four day, four day work week leading up to game day, we feel like our guys then are, are ready to rock on Fridays, which is then, you know, kind of our third high CNS day game day. We want our guys, like I said, as fresh as possible, as fast as possible come kickoff. And uh, obviously felt like we've done, done a great job of that um, here here now for for several years you know i think one of the things i'm most proud of is in the state championship game here this last weekend you know we we dressed and every player was available to play on our roster in the state championship game you know in week 14 and i don't think a lot of teams necessarily can say that and and we had virtually every player available to an extent uh, every single game this season and at a school our size you know, we we don't. You know, we had, we had um, some outstanding football players this year, obviously to to go 14-0 win a state championship. But 
if one of those guys goes down, you know, we don't have two or three of them waiting in the wings, you know, on, on the sideline ready to step up. So we need all of our, our guys on the field to go, to go win football games. And, you know, back when we started this thing, um, sprint based football in, in 2019, that was probably my, my biggest, one of my biggest reasons for, for moving to this is we need our guys healthier. We need our guys on the field, regardless of what else, you know, we're doing from a preparation standpoint. If our guys aren't healthy and can't be on the field, we're not going to win football games. So that's been a huge, huge part, you know, of our sprint-based journey is healthy and happy athletes that can go perform on a Friday. And and probably say, you know, really the last three years, since 2021, you know, we haven't had a season-ending injury uh, for a player. You know, there's been uh, some some broken broken fingers and hands and things like that, but nothing we haven't been able to you know club up and put them on the field so um that's yeah that's been huge for us and like i said a big part of our success so at the end of this week december 8th december 9th you're going to be at the track football consortium at elmhurst university in chicago and speaking about your offense and you know everything we talked about you really see how all this fits together in one piece and now in this particular clinic you're going to be talking about how this goes a step further and how you think about now with a sprint-based approach, how are we building our offense with the athletes that we've developed? Talk to us about what we're going to see or give us an overview here about this TFC Chicago that you're speaking at. Again, I guess quick plug for TFC, but best, you know, best clinic I've ever been, been to or been a part of. Highly recommend if you can get to the Chicago area. Elmhurst University here coming up December 8th and 9th. It's an unbelievable lineup of speakers and it's been the most impactful thing we've done in terms of the, the development of our program. So highly recommend that. If you can't get in person, like, like you said, there, there will be recordings available then um, after the fact. In terms of what I'm going to be covering this year and years past, I've done a lot with sprint-based football and, and uh, highlighting the things that you and I have kind of talked to, talked about up to this point and you know, so there's there's past recordings out there and available for for people if they're interested in in you know taking a deeper dive into it. So this year I want to talk a little bit about you know our offense and, and what we do to be explosive uh, on a, on a Friday night and and how we use that spring based philosophy to guide some of that that decision making. I'm the um, offense coordinator and play caller on Friday nights and I've been doing that sort of since, uh, you know, I, I joined the program back in, in 2011, probably, probably my favorite, most favorite thing to do as a coach is, is call plays. You know, it's, uh, it's something that I've, I've enjoyed, uh, so much, um, cause it's, it's such a unique challenge and, you know, I love, so it's like solving problems and, 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 you know, such a, such a cool thing to do, especially when you, you know, you see guys go out and, and execute the, you know, whatever you had put on paper to see it come to life is, is such a cool process, I think. So, um, you know, for us, we were ultimately a, a spread offense. Um, and so, you know, we develop and done a great job developing, developing great athletes, but also just, just, you know, having some super talented kids come through our program over for a long time now. And so I think from a sprint based standpoint, you know, if we're going to develop fast, powerful athletes, then we have to find ways to um, get those guys the ball in space. And um, being a, being a, truly being a balanced offense, and when I say balanced, actually I heard, um, you know, Mike Leach had a great quote. I don't know how long ago it was, but he just talked about, you know, balance on offense isn't necessarily run versus pass, which we do do a, a good job of balancing those two things. But it's truly about 
any skill player on the field at any given time being a threat to touch the ball and, and score a touchdown. And I think uh, that's something this past season we've done. We did as well as we as we ever have is um, being able to stretch the field, not just vertically, but horizontally, making defenses defend the full field against us and having to worry about all five, you know, skill players on the field, including our you know, add our quarterback then to that uh, as well. We we ran our quarterback more than we ever have this year, this year too. So being able to, you know, take the, the apex predators that we've, that we've built, um, put them out in space, get the ball into their hands quickly and, and let them just go be great athletes. Um, and so kind of how we, how we design that um, from a game plan standpoint, you know, on Friday nights, but what that looks like during the week, then um, getting up to, getting up to that point. And, you know, we, I think we do a really good job of looking at, you know, what we're trying to attack from a defense, spreading that out like on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday and making sure that, you know, we are, the things that we're going to call on a Friday night, we're getting adequate reps with that during the week. Big thing with, with sprint-based football is, you know, we cut, we cut down a lot of the reps to keep, keep our guys fresh, but the quality of the reps have gone up. So we've, from a retention standpoint, our guys are probably able to execute more on a Friday by doing less during the week. Um, we don't overload them with, with a ton of stuff. We, we try to focus on here's what we feel good about uh, being able to get to and, and just, um, you know, trying to cut out as much of the extra uh, as possible. So we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what those periods look like through the week to prepare us for a Friday. I think the last thing that we do a good job of is really taking what the defense is going to get us, give us, um, you know, our offense is multiple enough where we can get in and out of multiple formations and, and present things, you know, a, a multitude of ways, but ultimately it boils down to a few base concepts for us and we're able to kind of disguise or, or present those in a way that's going to give us an advantage based on, you know, how a defense is going to line up against us uh, on a Friday night. So we can get to the things that we like to do really well from a handful of different ways. And it makes it appear we're probably maybe a little bit more multiple than we, than we actually are, but then just, just getting those guys the, the football in space and, and forcing teams to, to have to worry about defending everybody on the field. So it's uh you know, I, I was spoiled this year with, with my quarterback uh, and the skill guys that I had. And, you know, obviously they're they're the biggest engine that, that made things go. So I, you know, I'm not gonna come out and say that you know I, I got all the answers. You know, they make they make my job easy. Um, but at the same time, I think we do uh, do a nice job of structuring in a way where we can take advantage of of their talents. Um, and so it'll be fun to kind of share uh, how we how we go about doing that. Coaches, I highly recommend getting to the TFC Chicago or getting it on demand. I'll put the link to both of those in the show notes as well as some of the talks that Coach Mueller has done at those in the past. Coach, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to really go through end-to-end what your football program looks like based on a sprint-based philosophy. You know, As you talk through this thing, you really see how it comes together into one cohesive piece so thank you for sharing that thank you for taking the time and certainly best of luck to you in Stewartville in 2024 thank you so much Keith appreciate you having me on and uh yeah look forward to being back again sometime